Welcome to Secondhand Film Critics, your favorite source for mildly pretentious, semi-uneducated, and highly unqualified opinions on movies. I am Noah Heisinga, and I am with... Kayla Fanna. Alright, today we're talking about Pixar. Yes, and we will be reviewing Toy Story 4, which came out... Um, when this releases, it will be over a week ago. Uh, we've both seen it in theaters. We have. And um, we're going to talk about it. And then after that, just rank the Pixar movies so you can kind of see where Toy Story 4 fits with all the other ones, for us anyway. Mm-hmm. Cool. It's going to be a fun time, and I can't wait to talk about it. Yep. Pixar is one of mine, and I think yours, favorite favorite studios. Yeah, for sure. It's going to get uh, into debate territory. It's going to get into... Um, Some hot takes. Lo- spewing love territory about our favorite movies of pixar hot takes in the toy story 4 department i'm assuming yep very interesting um so first a quick history of pixar they started in 1974 they wanted to create the first ever computer animated film but they realized that they didn't have the money and technology wasn't at the place that it needed to be yet so they moved to lucas arts which was obviously george lucas's company made huge advancements in computer animation and special effects. And they also, um, to keep afloat before they actually could be able to make a computer animated movie, they sold a product called the Pixar Image Computer, which was a graphics computer. And they mainly sold that to, like, the government and hospitals and stuff. But then in 1986, Steve Jobs became the chairman of Pixar And they started selling their image computer to um, more mainstream outlets, including Walt Disney Studios. Eventually, they signed a three-picture deal with Disney, and they created their first film, Toy Story. And that ended up grossing more than $373 million worldwide. Disney and Pixar, under their original deal, they split the profits and the cost between Disney and Pixar 50-50. But Disney owned all the characters, the story, and the sequel rights. Um, so Pixar wanted to make a new deal after a lot of back and forth. Disney ultimately just bought out Pixar for $7.4 billion. But they also made it clear to each other in the deal that they would keep their animation studios separate and they wouldn't interfere with the other's creative projects. So Disney Animation Studios and Pixar Animation Studios are technically the same, but they're also separate. So kind of confusing there. But yeah. It's a little quick history of that. The last film they released under the original deal where they were splitting profits 50-50 was The Incredibles. And then the first film they released together was Cars 1 in 2006. Now we can give more of a personal history, and you can start that, I guess, your personal history with Pixar. Yeah, I think Finding Nemo was the first Pixar film that I saw in theaters. Mm-hmm. I think... I feel like I vaguely remember seeing Finding Nemo in theaters, and then The Incredibles obviously came out after that, and I'm pretty sure we saw that in theaters, too. And then from then, saw pretty much, I feel like, everything that came out in theaters. Hmm, yeah. Except Cars 3, which I still have not seen. <laughs> As we'll get to in our rankings, according <laughs> to me, you're not missing too much. Right. But we'll get to that later. Um, Yeah. I think the first, like I told, was telling you before, the first one I saw in theaters was Cars 1, which I saw in theaters three times. I don't know why, but I did. And I had... It's a good many... movie. It's a, it's a good one. And I had, I had all the cars. My uncle worked for McDonald's at the time, and they had, like, they were selling the cars toys. And I ended up eventually collecting all the cars toys... That they were selling at McDonald's. Because he would just get them for me every time he came back from work. And I still have them somewhere back there. Yeah, we have a lot of definitely Pixar stuffed animals and toys and bed sheets that we used to have or whatever. Yeah. It's interesting with cars because that was definitely the one where they did the most merchandising with, I think. Which is interesting because some of their movies literally are about toys. But Cars, I remember, it 
and I, I read this somewhere, that it has the most merchandise sales of any of their movies. And Cars was the first movie released uh, when Disney owned Pixar. So I don't know what that tells you. But yeah. basically, Disney <laughs> likes their merchandise. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, and then after Cars, like, same with you, I saw every other one in theaters. And I think even before Cars, I'd seen all of the other six um, just like on probably then it was on vhs so i'd seen all of the other ones anyway and then after cars i saw them all in theaters i actually did not see inside out in theaters i don't mm. think because that was when did that come out um came out in 2015 june 19th yeah it would have come out i i don't think i saw it that summer because that would have been right after i graduated high school mm-hmm. and i remember <laughs> are uh at college they would do like movie on the lawn and they played inside out so like i didn't really like it my first viewing yeah but that was the only just because i was like watching it and there were all these other college kids around me and i was like i kind of hate this outdoor movies kind of suck honestly yeah it was not a great experience but i mean I ended up liking it once I watched yeah. it again later. But, yeah, I think that was the only one I didn't see in theater. So, Pixar's obviously important to both of us. Mm-hmm. we go watched. see them all We theaters. see them all, yeah. It's probably good you didn't watch Inside Out um, in theaters, like, right after you graduated high school. That might have been a bit of an emotional <laughs> Too ride. Too emotional. <laughs> that might have, yeah. All right, so that's a little bit of our history of Pixar, obviously. We're fans um which i feel like if you're not a fan of pixar you're it's a little more weird than if you are so but a little bit of our history and yeah so right now we'll have a word from our sponsor and after that we'll get into our toy story board and we're back we're back Thank you for listening to that ad. So now we'll get into our review of Toy Story 4. So I saw this on Thursday. I have to pull up the calendar. Did you Thursday see it opening night? Yeah, I did. There was a good amount of people there. Not as much as I was expecting. But there also might have been more than I thought because now with like when you can pick your seats, it's hard to really see how many people are there opening night. A lot of kids, but also a lot of just like neck adults that didn't have kids. So it was a lot of mix of ages. Yeah, I saw it Sunday evening and I don't know if it was because there, I mean, there were so many show times of it this weekend. Like they were basically showing it almost every hour in 3D, the bigger like digital theater that's not yeah. quite Dolby Sound at ours, but is bigger. It's called the Big D Theater, which is the worst naming I think <laughs> ever. That's uh, a that's that's a gr- that's a great one right there. And then um, the the digital, but there yeah. was like nobody there when I hmm. saw it Sunday evening. And usually my brother and I see movies Sunday evening on opening weekends, and it's usually pretty full. So, there was maybe only 10 other people in the theater, if that. So, that kind of surprised me. I don't know. I f- well, I feel like what you said with a lot of showtimes does make sense because there's really... this. I feel like this has been the first huge release since Endgame, maybe? Yeah. Like, the first, like, big movie with wide appeal. Well, Aladdin. Um, yeah. Aladdin, though I didn't hear much buzz about Aladdin, but a lot yeah, that could be true, yeah. But it's like the first big one of like the summer when everyone's out of school. Um, but I also didn't see a lot of a lot of uh, ads for it or like promotion for it. I don't know if that's just because I just don't pay attention to stuff. Yeah. Um, but when I went, there was a good amount of people there, and from what I heard. It made a pretty amazing amount of money, so it might just have been the showing you went to. Um, and like you said, it's also it's in 3D. It's in like 
IMAX, which I don't know why you would want to see a Toy Story movie in IMAX, but if you do, then cool. So it's definitely in a lot of formats. So that might be too a money-making kind of thing where like um, they're like, let's just put it in all the types we can so we can get more and more people to see it. So that's, uh, so yeah, we both seen it once and it's pretty relatively like I saw it five days ago and you saw it like two. So it's fresh in our minds. We've talked a bit about it over text and now we're going to talk more about it over voice. So we both have things we liked and disliked, obviously. So I think first we we'll, should go through the liked. Yeah. Yeah. So you can go first. You can say the things you liked. I'm pretty sure the things we liked are going to be pretty similar. Yeah. So that might be good. Well, the animation was amazing. It was so good. It was literally like one of the best animated movies that they've ever done. I think that and Good Dinosaur are really the best one yeah and i think they combined a lot of the stuff from good dinosaur that i loved which was the kind of landscape animation and we saw a lot of that it's interesting because i think the toy story movies allows them to animate the best because they're animating actual things from the real world so you get a lot of the texture of the toys and I love, like, the little details they put, just, like, Woody's hat or... It's, like, a lot of very tactile things they get to animate. Yeah. Rather than, like, an Inside Out, it's more abstract. Like, no one really knows what the emotion joy looks like. They have to make that up. Um, and so I think Toy Story really lets them do that in that it they get to create animate really tactile things that we can almost feel yeah and even with like the scenes with bo peep and woody like the fact that bo peep was porcelain and the way the light reflected off of her versus woody Mm. being kind of more a plastic type material yeah the lighting was incredible especially in the antique store that one scene with all the chandeliers half of the scenes um it was like i wasn't even paying attention it felt like to what was going on i was just looking like i wish i could just pause this and look at all all this all the stuff it was so really a technical marvel yeah for sure uh there's those videos going around like comparing it to toy story one and it's just crazy how far they've come yeah yeah and it's crazy too because like i was watching toy story uh like last week and I was like, this animation has really held up, and it's crazy that they can still improve on that. I think they're also really improving with their camera work, um, or, like, imitating camera work. Yeah. Or in, like, their directing of animated movies. Because, like, Brad Bird is someone that I think is amazing at that, like, even as far back as Incredibles, or like we were saying last episode with your pick, Iron Giant, how he directs animated movies is really impressive. And so I think um, Pixar, like all, all the other directors and creators of Pixar are catching on to that. And that I really felt that in this one, especially in that opening scene where they're saving um, the R- RC car. I think that it's just you can really see the improvement and it's impressive because it's not like we're looking at all the other Pixar movies. and like, they need to improve their animation. This is terrible. <laughs> what was something else you like? I loved Forky. I thought he was was so great. I know there's, I've heard kind of mixed opinions on it. Like some people have been kind of annoyed by Forky. I think he was amazing. He was awesome. He was a, he was a great, I think me included, not as much as I was getting closer to it, but I was definitely in the beginning, um, hesitant about Forky. I think like, especially like that first where they're all dancing yeah jumping or whatever yeah and it's like i was so skeptical when i first saw that trailer i was like oh my gosh who is this stupid little sport (laughs) yeah (laughs) named forky then i found out he was voiced by tony hale and it was fun and i was like oh okay um he was great uh forky was a great character i loved how they animated just all of the parts of him like the, the the fuzz on the on the what is pipe cleaners um, pipe cleaners and his little feet <laughs> with the glue like the way they were like walking great just visual humor and um he just looked so so good and the height too yeah, like how they made so him funny. a little shorter than woody just walking around 
I wish he was in it a little more as it got on, because I feel like he was really only a... I thought he was going to be more of a main part of the movie, but he really was only, like, yeah. in the beginning. Then all, the, all of a sudden, he was okay with being a toy. Like, I, w- I wish they had kept the his character arc going yeah. a little longer. But I think his... I think he was definitely... I hope if they make... I think this movie really primes Disney for, like, the Disney Plus service to make little shorts. Because, you know, Pixar is going to be making yeah. little shorts for that. I think it's really primed for, like, little five, ten minute shorts. And I hope that we get With some 40, shorts yeah. with Forky. I agree. And, and that would be that would be amazing. I I hope they do that. Uh, so we both like Forky. Um, I like Bo Peep, too. Because I feel like in the first and second one, she was pretty lame. And I wasn't sad at all when... She yeah, she just kind of was a throwaway character. Yeah, and I think they made her really interesting in that I think that I've heard some people say that it's like she's a completely different character, but it's like, well, it's and 9 years gone. later. And she's been through a lot of different stuff and it's like so I think it makes sense for her character and I like how they just made her more um deep and uh just not like a throwaway yeah. um damsel in distress. I agree. I think she was pretty cool. So I really liked her, and I think that they did a good job making her better than I than I was expecting. So yeah. Anything else that you particularly wanted to mention in um, the liked category? No, I think those were the two main things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The ending, I will say, I, we're gonna get to this a little more in the dislike thing, but the ending was the main idea of it anyway was a really good idea, and I really liked the parallel between at the end of Toy Story three. Um, he says, um, so long partner to Andy, you know? And then at the end of this one, he says to infinity and beyond Yeah. to buzz. And so those are like the two main like sayings, I guess, of Toy Story. So I think that that's cool. The parallel there that they did. Now I think maybe we should get into disliked. Yeah. I can kind of connect liked and disliked in that I really love. I thought it was really funny, and I loved the uh, key and feel <laughs> humor. I that was really good. Funny. <laughs> they were funny, um, but also um, still sticking with the comedy. Um, it felt like really 2019, and not as like the same timeless comedy or like the dry humor of the other ones, which could just be a kind of a petty complaint because, of course, movies are going to change from the time yeah. they made. But this. This was also something that I had a problem with with Incredibles 2, which was it felt, the tone felt very different from the other, the previous movie, or in Toy Story previous movies, because... Well, and also from other Pixar movies in general, because we watched Finding Nemo yesterday, and mm-hmm. that movie is so funny. And not even just yeah. because they're using jokes and gags, but just because lines are funny or the characters do something that's funny. And I think Toy Story 4 kind of missed that. Like, they were trying... Yeah, Toy Story 4 is a very different kind yeah, of Yeah, they were trying to use jokes as jokes and as gags and bits and stuff to get a laugh instead of just letting their characters deliver lines that w- could make people laugh. When I was watching it, it was very obvious that they were trying to make a joke like the thing with them getting um ducky and bunny like they were trying to like get the key I, from the lady yeah like that was funny but it was obvious like when i was watching it, like they're really they're they're trying right. to make me laugh whereas in their other movies it's more just like it comes across as natural but it's funny because of it's just yeah. more naturally funny you know even going back to like a more recent movie in coco i feel like that movie is there's funny parts, but it's also feels very much more timeless and not as of its time in that the humor in Toy Story 4 is very, like it I is, said, 2019 yeah. in that very, um, not even slight. I don't even know what the word is, but like, it just feels very modern yeah. humor, um, which is more of a preference thing, I guess. But it's also, I think it makes it feel, I don't know if cheap is the right word, but just different than other Pixar movies. Uh, so I guess that's kind of both in liked and disliked and that I did laugh, but it just didn't feel like as much of a Pixar movie as just, I was watching just a funny, um, Avengers movie. Yeah, that's a good point. What's something that you disliked? 
I didn't I didn't like the villain. I just Same. thought yeah. she was really kind of boring and was motivated by the same thing like past villains have been motivated by. So like in Toy Story 3, Lotso was motivated by being lost or being thrown away and forgotten. And she kind of was along the same lines like, oh, I'm I'm sad because I'm not loved and don't have a human. Yeah, she... I felt like I liked the direction they were going in a little in the beginning, but you're right, it was very similar and also kind of concluded a little faster Yeah, like it just, it she got the voice box and then it was like, oh, okay, we're all good now. And it's like, wait, I'm kind of confused. Yeah, there really wasn't much conflict. Yeah, I was more scared of the little dummy dolls Dude, that were chasing everyone. Dude, those were so scary. I, I, that, those were intense. I, I was freaked out. I was more scared of them than I was of the, what was her name? Gabby? Gabby, Gabby. That was her name. First of all, you're making up a toy. Why can't you pick a better name than that? Yeah. But, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I agree. I didn't like the, that very much. Well, it was just funny how much of this movie reminded me of Toy Story 3, and that's probably my biggest complaint, because it's like, it did. They have, I mean, we met her, Gabby Gabby, when she was being pushed in a cart by one of her, like, minions. And I I think when we met Lotso was when he came in on, didn't he come in on, like, the a truck? truck he, yeah, he was in, like, the truck minions, and, like, the And back. I was like, oh yeah. my gosh, it's the same thing again. <laughs> but Lotso was more interesting in that he had a lot of different types of minions and they all had personalities. Yeah. And Gabby Gabby just had, like, four dummies that were all exactly the same and didn't talk. Yeah. So, even though the dummies were scary, I think that Lotso's situation was more interesting. That he had different types of minions and then, like, Ken. Oh, yeah. And then we also had Duke Kaboom, who basically was oh, Ken, yeah, he was Ken. <laughs> in this movie. He was Ken. Keanu Reeves' version of Michael uh, Keaton Yeah, Ken. right. <laughs> um... Oh, also another minor thing I didn't really like was when they kind of went in that, I don't even know what it was, the arcade game, where there were, like, all these other characters having a party or whatever, and I guess they were forgotten toys that no one bought from the antique store. Yeah, because they had the guy that the cat Yeah, but that was kind of weird because it was like, you're just kind of opening up this other random door and there's all these characters that could have been maybe utilized or just shouldn't really have been there because it opens up too many questions yeah it was like they created all this whole idea of like this underground like toy world yeah that bows a part of now and but they didn't really use anyone except yeah, for Dukabu, which is which i did yeah, like him he was, he was fun. fun um but i would have rather they used more of that um, I also liked the little, I don't remember the name, but like the little doll thing. Um, that was the oh, close yeah, friend. The I liked her a lot just cause she was so, just cause she was so small. It was so funny. Um, yeah. that was good. I guess before getting into my big one, one thing I didn't like was, um, that the other characters felt a lot more pushed to the side. Um, and I've heard people say, like, it wouldn't make sense with the story for the other characters to be used because they would have to leave the RV and that would just make everything more complicated. Um, and I would agree with that. But I also think that might just be bad storytelling because all other three Toy Story movies have very much been about the camaraderie of all the toys. And they've kind of trained us in, like, this is about all the toys' relationship with each other, you know? And to then write the fourth movie and make it so that the other toys can't be a part of it at all, I think is just kind of a little cheap. And it makes that ending, even though it is emotional, it makes that ending not hit as hard because for like an hour and a half, we haven't been with these like Jesse and Slinky and the Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head and Rex. like. And so when he's saying goodbye to them, and even Buzz, it's not like as 
emotional as it would have been in any of the other three movies because like we haven't really seen Woody yeah, interact with I agree these people with that. these toys. And I think they could have given them more things to do. Like they kind of just sat in the RV until they were like, "Oh, we're going to do the GPS thing and the pedal thing." Like that was really yeah, funny yeah, and yeah. it kind of gave those toys purpose and otherwise they're just kind of not really serving any kind of purpose. I think they just should have written the story not completely different, but just a bit different, and so it would have given the other characters more of a role, and so that ending could have been a lot more earned. Yeah, like, they should have been, like, could have been stalling in the RV the whole time and kind of cut back to them doing things. It could have, yeah, it could have been more than just um, the tire flattened, and, because that was kind of really the only thing until the GPS thing. It was like they just pop the tire and like then they waited until the last until he fixed it and they also didn't ever work as a team that was what kind of bothered me is it was like woody went and then it was like oh what do we do oh buzz jumps out the window and then it's like when the tire was flattened it was like jesse jumped out the window and flattened the tire and it was like they were just kind of using their main characters to do something when they have all these other cool characters too yeah it was in the other Toy Story movies, it's been, like, even Toy Story 2, like, they they all go to save Woody. It's not just Buzz going to save Woody. Right. It's like, they're all traveling to the toy barn, you know? And it's just weird that this one, they decided just to make it about just one or two characters. Yeah. Um, also, quickly, Buzz was not as good, I would even argue, terrible in this movie compared to the other ones. Um, this is also preference because Buzz is my favorite character. And, like, he's always been weird and quirky, but he's never, like, had trouble carrying out plans and being a leader. Yeah. As he did in this movie. Like, he's always been a little weird. Um, obviously in the first one he thought he was a a space man, (laughs) which he obviously was a toy. But, um, like, the whole inner voice thing felt like the joke went way too long and it just made him seem like stupid like he didn't know what to do yeah i think they could have made that like a struggle he was having like maybe he was having issues trusting himself yes but like it just was like they just threw it in there like it'd be funny if he just was pressing his buttons on his chest looking for something to do yeah and that's what i thought too because i was like it's funny and it was funny the first couple times he did it and i just don't i thought that it would kind of develop more into like oh buzz finds his own inner voice and yeah maybe buzz is having a hard time finding his place in bonnie's toys right as a leader like they could have made that more that yeah like that's his art thing he has to overcome but it yeah. was more just like he's oh i guess he's a kind of a dumb guy now you know yeah i don't think they utilized his character growth very well because then in the yeah. end, he comes in and he's, like, being strong and being like, no, Bonnie's going to be fine. You can go. Which I thought mm. was very Buzz of him. And then, Yeah, that is when he felt like Buzz to me. Yeah, yeah. but it was like, he, he should have gotten to that point with an arc. Instead of just being, like, pressing the button the whole time and then and being like, no, you can go. And it's like, mm, but... <laughs> like you kind of miss yeah. the rest of the arc <laughs> yeah exactly like i feel like if they wanted to be true to the character they created in this movie then he should have been pressing the button on his chest to find out if woody should have gone with Bo or stayed with bonnie you know yeah like he the whole movie it was like he was having a hard time making decisions which is very out of character but like i said if they had made that if they had given a reason for that then it would have been fine but it just felt weird and like they were just trying to find another joke to be like this is something funny buzz can't decide what to do so he presses the button on his chest until he gets something he wants to do um yeah and so that was something that probably isn't that's not as serious it's just more like i was a little sad because buzz has always been like my favorite character and that made me a little sad but nothing too serious um, so what was your one, like your biggest problem or like your, one of your, like your biggest problems with this I just movie? thought the story was not very interesting. It felt very limited in a way, like all the other Toy Story movies, even like Toy Story 1 is way shorter than this movie, but it, the scope and the ideas felt a lot more vast and like 
interesting. And then this one felt like all of a sudden it was just over. It felt short, but not in a weird way. I don't know how to I explain, feel like but they just, like reused said, too many themes that they've used in the past. Because one thing I know we both have talked about is everyone's been like, oh, this movie's so deep and it's dealing with Forky, you know coming to terms with being a toy and Woody not feeling mm-hmm. loved. And, and it's like, yeah, but w- we've seen all those same things before. I mean, we saw it with Jesse. We saw it with Lotso. We've seen it with Woody. Yeah. We saw it with the, um, what, what's his name <laughs> in Toy Story 2? The, the, um, the minor guy. Stinky Pete. Yeah, we like, we saw the same Stinky thing Pete, with him. Yeah. So it's like, it's not new the the deepness and kind of loneliness and trying to find your place is not a new theme to toy story yeah that's always been the main driving force which i'll get to as well yeah i think the thing with the deepness is like people are acting like it's this really deep movie that requires multiple watches to get all the layers and it i feel like unless i'm missing something huge i feel like i got everything that i was trying to say from the one time i watched yep. it you know like everything i've heard people talk about is like yeah i i noticed that that it's i don't know um like i said i feel like i'm missing something and i think a lot of the my problems with the plot also come with just having a really weak villain and a weak antagonist because it just yeah, doesn't it's, uh, set it up for a good like slam through. Yeah, it was like the mo- the the main driving force most of it was saving Forky. And then they did that kind of and then it was just over, you know? Like it didn't feel like Toy Story 3 the um, rising action is so great with Lotso and then finding out he's a little evil and then they try to break out um, and Buzz turns evil, you know? Like, that's such... The stakes rise so much in that. And in this movie, it felt like there wasn't much rising action. It just was like there was a problem, and they solved it, and then Woody goes with Bo Peep. I don't know. Um, so I definitely agree. The story, I think, was just... It felt, like I think we said, it felt more like a spin-off than another Toy Story movie. In that all the other Toy Stories, 1, 2, and 3, they kind of raised the stakes on each other. And they all um, got increasingly more and more serious. And then four is like less stakes than one, two, and three. Either any of the three, you know. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about Mm, that? Not really. So my biggest thing is that I'm not going to say that this movie doesn't seem like it has a purpose in the story. Because like it obviously does fit. They did a good job making it seem like it fit. But I still think that Toy Story 3 is the better ending. And I would have rather ended with Toy Story 3. Um, And that's because, kind of like you said, every Toy Story movie repeats the same um, idea of purpose and everything. But if we're just going to Woody, I think that it repeats the same idea even further in that Woody has the same struggle in every movie. So Woody has his purpose in Toy Story 1. It's um, He's Andy's favorite toy. In Toy Story 2... He's one of Andy's toys, and in Toy Story 3, it's still one of Andy's toys. So that's his purpose. Then it's Woody loses his purpose in Toy Story 1. Buzz comes, and um, it becomes Andy's favorite toy, and gets all the other toys' attention, and takes it away from Woody. Toy Story 2, Andy outgrows him. Toy Story 3, he's still scared of Andy outgrowing him. Um, And then he uh, adapts and accepts his new purpose. So in Toy Story 1, he becomes friends with Buzz, and accepts his new role as, like, him and Buzz kind of leading Andy's room together. In Toy Story 2, he realizes that Andy growing up is inevitable and is going to enjoy Andy being young while he can. Um, And in Toy Story 3, he says goodbye to Andy and accepts his new purpose, which is making Bonnie happy. So he basically has the same arc in every movie. And the only reason, for me at least, that doesn't get tiring is because it's all like against the backbone of Andy's story. So it's all about Woody getting from Andy being young to leaving Andy, you know? So I think it works in that it's all about Andy. And so in Toy Story 3, it's like he's finally accepted how he's going to say goodbye to Andy. And he says goodbye to him. And it's great. But now in Toy Story 4, he repeats the same arc. But 
Andy's not there. So it feels like even more cheap in that he still hasn't learned this lesson and Andy's gone. Yeah, and the other thing that kind of annoys me about that in this movie is that he's like, oh, I'm not the favorite toy. Like, he's in the closet, and it's like, okay, but now you're just not, like, being selfish, because I get that he was Andy's favorite toy and that was his purpose, but, like, okay, you're just another one of the toys. What's so wrong with that? Like, you don't have to be the best, Woody. And that kind of annoyed me about his drive because I was like, that's how all the other toys are, is they're not the favorite. Like, give someone else a chance to be the favorite toy for once. Yeah. We're not having a movie about the aliens, the little alien guys being mad that they're not Andy's favorite toy. They just are cool with it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Why is Woody the only one having a problem with this? Yeah, and Especially I guess if he's gone through like this three times. His identity crisis and whatever, like, he was, he was yeah. the favorite for so long and kind of held that place of being the primary source of of helping Andy, I guess, is kind of his motivation. But that just kind of annoys me because, I don't know, it just felt really stale to me, his character arc in this one. And like I said, I think it works in the first three because it rides along the arc of Andy. And so it's all about him getting over just this one kid, you know? Yeah, which I feel like we already kind of, had that conclusion in Toy Story 3 where it was like, you're moving on. Well, exactly, yeah, because Andy is going to college. And so I think then it's like, okay, so Woody's finally figured out how to move on from Andy because I think that was his main struggle. Um, But then in Toy Story 4, it's the same thing. So he has a purpose. His purpose is being Bonnie's toy and bringing her joy. He loses his purpose because, like you said, he's not the favorite toy and Bonnie doesn't really care about him at all. Um, And then Woody adapts and accepts his new purpose he realizes that he is not needed anymore and stays with Bo Peep, you know? So it's the same thing. Has purpose, loses purpose, finds a new purpose. And so I think that it just feels, like you said, a lot more stale because it's like he's in a completely new environment and he's gone and he's still having the same issue. Um, and yeah, I think the best part of the ending is that his final, apparent, apparently if this is the last one, his final, his final purpose, if we want to keep using that word, is giving purpose to other toys in that he gives other toys a home in, like, that little game thing he does, you know? Yeah, but that also was not very clear, I feel like. Yeah, uh, yeah, especially because it's really only mid credit scenes and they're mostly just played for laughs. Like, the, the main ending of the movie just seems like him and Bo are just gonna live their life together. And even with Gabby Gabby, where he's, like, rescuing her from the box or whatever because she got tossed away, the only reason he made that decision was because Forky was watching. Forky was the one who's like, no, we need to stay and watch this moment. And Woody was like, Woody would have uh, just, okay. just left there, yeah. Yeah, but and then Gabby Gabby Forky was the one that was like, this was all that she wanted. And then Woody was like, oh, yeah, you're right. And it's like, okay, but... That was basically Forky motivating that decision. Yeah. I think that Toy Story 3 was just a better ending because it makes Woody seem not... He he seemed a lot more annoying in this one because it was like, you're repeating the same arc and, and apparently you've moved on from Andy. So it just makes him seem a lot more of a stale character. And I think number three was just a better ending, you know? And I think it would have been Yeah, it, it felt like there. once Woody left at the end, it just felt like that was convenient for them. It didn't feel like it actually held, at least for me, it didn't feel like it held a lot of weight because it was just kind of the convenient ending. Yeah, I didn't feel, like I said, I didn't feel sad when he left the toys. Yeah. I felt, I think it was more, because the whole driving emotional force is him leaving Andy. And since he's already done that, it's like, okay, so he's already gotten over the biggest thing in his life. So this is just kind of like the next step. I think that's really all I have to say. I'm not going to say I disliked it. I gave it a three and a half out of five. Yeah, I gave it a three and a half. Which equates to a seven. I probably could have given it a three, but... I think I would have gone more with a three and a quarter. But I I wasn't ready to go all the way down to three, at least for my first watch. Yeah. So I gave it three and a half. Um, 
So yeah, we'll get into our rankings now, and what you'll see is like we didn't dislike it, but it's also like it's hard when you're putting yourself up against three of the best animated movies of all time, right? And into the series of like the, one of the best animated series of all time, if not the best. So it's just a, a lot of lot to rise up to. Um, not saying it was my least favorite. I liked it a lot better than um, last year's sequel, which was Incredibles two, but um, just not up to the standard of the other Toy Story movies. Uh, so do you want to get into our rankings now of the Pixar movies? Sure. Okay. So why don't you explain to the audience how we're going to kind of yeah, go through this so, so we don't spend two hours. How many tiers did we say we were going to have? Three. So we have mul multiple tiers. The bottom movies were kind of just going to clump together and list them so that we won't talk too much about them. And then... Yeah, 13 and down, right? Yeah, 13 and down okay. will be our kind of lower tier of movies. And yep. then 6 through 12 will be kind of our middle tier of movies. And then... Yeah, so we'll run through those. We'll go through our top five with a little more talking about why they're in our top five. Exactly, yeah. So we don't keep you guys listening to this for hours. Because, like I said, I think you could um talk i think I, we could talk for hours about just the rankings of pixar movies and why they are the way like yeah they are. so um why don't you quickly just run through your bottom tiers starting with the lowest sure okay yeah. well i yeah i haven't seen cars three so that's not included in mine uh my lowest is finding dory and then okay. incredibles 2 brave cars 2 the Good Dinosaur is number 16. Toy Story 4, I have at 15. Bugs Life at okay. 14. And Cars at 13. Okay. Um, so that's 13 through 20 for you. Um, I have Cars 2 at 21. Brave at 20. Finding Dory at 19. Cars 3 at 18. Incredibles 2 at 17. Good Dinosaur at 16. So we're both at the yep. same with Good Dinosaur. Um, Cars at 15, Monsters University at 14, and Bugs Life at 13. Um, a lot of overlap there. A couple different ones, but, um, I feel like the bottom, especially, like, the bottom, um, 11 or 10 through 21 are the same for a lot of people. Maybe the ranking of them are different, but it's pretty widely accepted what the lesser Pixar yeah. movies are, I think. Um, okay, so why don't you now go through, um, 6 through 12. Alright, at 12 I have The Incredibles, but also, here's the thing, I love these movies, so 6 through 12 is kind of like a muddled mess. Yeah, we have to give that disclaimer too. Uh, They're all to, pretty interchangeable well. in a way, but yeah, yeah this is just yeah. how I have it From now. 12 to 1, it's like, I basically love all the movies, yeah. you know, um, even as far as, like, 15 through 1. Like, very few of these movies do I actively dislike, I think. Yeah. Apart from my, like, yeah, bottom ones. Yeah. All right. So don't get mad. Yeah. Don't get mad, So please. then I have Monsters <laughs> U at 11, which is usually widely lower on people's lists, but I just loved it. Um, 10, yeah, I, like I have University. Toy Story. 9, Ratatouille. 8, Finding Nemo seven toy story three and six inside out cool um at 12 i have toy story four so basically right in the middle there that's where my toy story four kind of lies um finding nemo is 11 ratatouille is 10 monsters inc is nine coco is eight toy story three is seven so there's another one where we're the same and wally is number six interesting um, I would definitely say probably at cut the Toy Story 4 would be the cutoff for me of like the ones I love and the ones that are like not as good. Um, Toy Story 4 is hard. I might want to see it a couple more times depending on so to see where that one will lie. But basically from this lit from Toy Story 4 number 12 on are like all ones that I really like yeah. or love. So that's my 6 through 12. And now we'll go through our top 5 in a little more of a... Not like super in-depth, but just yeah. talk more a little about them. Um, so what's your number 5? My number 5 is Toy Story. Okay. What is your number 5? Toy Story 2. Oh, there you go. Okay. Um, so we both put... Wait. 
ranking your Toy Stories, what would be your ranking of them? Um, Toy Story 2 being the best, okay. then Toy Story 3, then Toy Story, and then Toy Story 4. Okay. So the only difference between our Toy Story rankings is that I think Toy Story 1 is better than 3. Okay, cool. Um, and we both think Toy Story 2 is the best and Toy Story 4 is the worst. Yep. Okay. So Pretty Toy Story is my 5 and Toy Story 2 is your 5. What yep. is your 4? Um, Wally. Wally. Okay. That's my 6. Um, I rewatched Wally yesterday and I forgot how much I love that movie. Yeah, I rewatched it this movie. weekend. Great movie. Um, my number four is Toy Story 2, so almost yeah, it's also at the close. same place You as definitely hold the Toy Story ones higher than I do. I really do. Um, Toy Story, I feel like sometimes it's a lot of nostalgia, and sometimes it's just I love them so much. Yeah, I think, I really think that was like Wally for me, is I kind of, like I hadn't seen it in a while, and I remember really liking it as a kid. Same. And I rewatched it this weekend, and... Yeah, I mean, it's just a beautiful movie. The animation is really beautiful. Really good. Really, really good. I love that scene where they're kind of flying in the out outside. Yeah, um, and just the fact the that, like, they kind of made this garbage, dumpy robot, and how much I love him. He's so cute. <laughs> He's one of the best characters of Pixar. He He's may so be, amazing. He might be my favorite Pixar character of all time. He And he doesn't say anything. All he says in the movie is Wally. Eva and I think he says whoa. Yeah. So it's and he his um, animations and his facial animations and the way he's like moves his little hands. Yeah, his little oh, eyes it's so funny. moving back and forth. Yeah, yeah. I, that movie was just it's just so good. Yeah. I don't trust people that think Wally is a terrible Pixar movie. Yeah. Um. Okay. My number three is Up. And your what is your number three? Coco. Cool. Coco's great. I think. Um, I have seen it a lot, so that might be, it's, I mean, number eight really isn't bad. No. Especially in a Pixar list. I think Coco is one of the best ones that they've released in the last few years, for sure. Yeah, it's funny, because I didn't know anything about, like, I don't know if they just didn't market it as much leading up to it, the release, mm -hmm. but I didn't know anything about it before I went and saw it in theaters. Yeah, I only really knew about the music thing in, like, how they hired like real guitar players and figured out how they played guitar so they could animate playing yeah. guitar. Yeah, and I don't think I I even saw a trailer for it before I went and saw it. I think I saw one of them, but I like same. I think I only went because my family like goes to movies during Thanksgiving, so it came yeah, out right then. Yeah, I, so I saw like... it at the end of after finals week mm -hmm. from school. My friend and I were like some of the only people still staying on campus and we were like oh you want to go see this movie that we don't really know a lot about and we both cried like <laughs> yeah the <laughs> ending is very times. emotional one of the most emotional endings um so great movie like you said like i said one of the best um original stories that pixar's made i think in the past like 10 years um, and also one that has humans in it too yeah yeah even in toy story 4 i don't like the way that they animate humans a lot they feel like they feel like very just like almost like um stuffed animals like they feel yeah like cutesy big eyes yeah and coco is the anim like even like we just said with the the way he plays guitar the way his fingers move it's very natural and i think that's really impressive yeah. Okay, so what's your number and two? And you said your three w Wait, you said your number three was Up, yeah. which is my number two. Okay. What can really be said about Up that hasn't been said before? Um, Obviously great. I think it would be my number one if it wasn't for I don't love the dog thing as much as I wish I did. Ah, oh, bummer. Yeah. <laughs> I love the I love the dog thing, but I think... I like the I like the um other stuff more. And I but think you also don't really like dogs, right? Aren't you allergic to dogs? I'm allergic to dogs. Yes. I okay. I but I I do like it a lot more than I saw. And it, it, like I said, it's my number three, so that's amazing. Um, I love my favorite part of this movie is when um he opens the memory book, mm, and yeah, 
it's he thinks it's blank and then it's all the memory it's all pictures of them uh that's a great part great movie pete doctor is the man i can't wait till the uh soul or whatever next year yeah i, I know i'm gonna ball which is gonna be a great time uh, my number two is the incredibles which um i love the incredibles one of the best superhero movies i think ever made is really good I, I haven't seen it. it. Yeah, it was in my stack of movies that I was going to try to watch this weekend, and it was the one that I didn't get around to. Yeah, you should definitely rewatch it. I'm very, I was very crushed when Incredibles 2 wasn't very good. Yeah, it was not good at all. <laughs> I, I I don't know if that's a hot take. I, it is that... a hot take. No, a lot of it people is? loved Incredibles 2. Okay, I didn't hate it, but I kind of did. I don't know. Yeah, I did not the, like it at all. They're, the characters were very one-dimensional. Yeah, there were very few things I liked about it, but that's fine. Which that's is weird, because day. if you rewatch Incredibles, then you'll see how deep all of the characters are. Um, so it was a, it's a very stark contrast from Incredibles 1 to Incredibles 2. Yeah. Um, Alright, what's your number one? Uh, Monsters, Inc. Okay, yeah. Talk about Monsters, Inc. a bit. I love it. I rewatched it. I was trying to solidify whether or not that one was my number one. And I rewatched it last night. And it just reminded me of all the reasons why I love it so much. I think probably one thing I like the most about it is the world building. Which a lot of Pixar's really good at world building. And I just think it's super clever to like kind of play off of the whole... Every, every kid thinks there's a monster under the bed or in the closet. So it kind of plays off of that. But, like, I just love Sully and Mike. I love their friendship and the way it, it kind of reflects a, a real-life friendship of, like, one person does something and it's like, no, why'd you do that? Like, you're supposed to be friends with me and you treated me bad. And, yeah, it's just, it's funny and I love seeing Sully's transformation of being kind of like, I'm the best, I'm macho, I'm scary, to being like, no, I love this kid and I would do anything for her and I need to, like, sacrifice everything mm-hmm. to protect her. Yeah. Pixar has a bunch of great ideas and it's really crazy how good of an idea Monsters, Inc. is, like, out of all the great ideas they have. It's... It's, I think it's one of the best ideas because it's something that we've all kind of thought about, but it plays off of it so much in that, like, the monster in the closet thing, like, how that actually works and why they do it, and it's one of the best ideas because it comes from a relatable place rather than, like, no one really thinks about rats cooking. It's, like, a funny idea, but it's not, like, something that anyone yeah. thinks about, you know? I think it's... One of their best ideas. And the voice acting is really good. I think that helps well, the Well, and I think one thing that also is really cool is that they did a lot of their vocal takes together. Oh, really? Which is very rarely done. Yeah. And I think that's why it really elevates the sort of buddy comedy of it is that they they insisted on doing scenes together. They really cool. play off of each other well, I think. I also yeah. died last night when um, they they <laughs> come out of their like apartment to go to work, and Mike like has this really nice car. Yeah. And Sully's like, no, we can't drive because there's a scream shortage. We can't use up the energy. We're gonna walk to work. And I was like, wow, what an advocate for <laughs> environmentally friendly ways to like help the environment. And that, like, made me laugh because Mike was just being kind of grumpy about it the whole time they were walking. He was, cr- was like, he, I know, just He mumbling. was like, it's not that bad. It's fine to walk to work. And I was like, wow, way to, like, talk about the environment. Man. I, Monsters, Inc. Um, and Wally are both very good t- about talking about the environment. Yeah. And Finding Dory. Finding Dory does that, too. Yeah, I don't really remember Finding Dory that much. So. My sister watched it, like, 10 times last year so i watched a lot um and i still didn't like it so but it does i feel like pixar has always kind of put that in a lot of their movies so that's pretty cool yeah and your number one is inside out what a movie i love inside out um 
I feel like it's really hard to talk about this movie that much because, I, first of all, I feel like it's talked about a lot, and second of all, I feel like it'd be easier to write an essay about it because it has so many complex ideas. Yeah. It's, it's so funny, and it's also so deep, and I think going back to that thing we were saying with the modern humor of Toy Story 4 and the more timeless humor of, like, the other ones... I think it does a good blend of that in that there's a lot of moments where it's obvious that we they want to make you laugh. Like when they go in the the abstract thought kind of thing. Yeah. Um, when they go in there. But then there's a lot of parts that are obviously just funny because the characters are funny. And I think that th- since they mix that, it gives it a lot of different types of humor. And I really appreciate that basic like i love all the characters and i think it's just such a smart idea um like i said it's hard to talk about this movie because so much has already been said and it's obvious that it's a great movie yeah (laughs) Um, really a very emotional movie for me i guess personally because a lot of the ideas that it plays with hits yeah i agree with that i hope they never make a sequel because i think it's just so perfect yeah the way the way it is just the things it has to say and the way, like, when the islands fall, that's one of the most, like, it's such great visual representation of losing yourself yeah. and changing. Um, lots of great metaphors. I think, like, every, almost every moment is a metaphor, if, and it is either played for, like, the funny side of it or um, the emotional side. So that's our ranking. Uh, you can also look, uh, go to our letterboxed and look at the rankings for yourself if you want to if you want to remember them or whatever as i said last time my letterboxd is just search noah heisinger or go to my twitter and connect it i don't know you can find it you'll find it if you want to. um and then you can look at it all you can look at it all a little more in depth and also follow me if you want to see all my Reviews, other movies yep same thoughts. mine is just my name as well it's just our names nothing fancy um all right, so I think that's it. That's our discussion on Toy Story 4 and Pixar in general. I think we had a lot of hot takes, but also a lot of things that people will agree with. So it's a good Hopefully. Mix. Hopefully. People Hopefully are probably... some valuable information. I, th- I don't know. Do people, like, are people really praising Toy Story 4, like, a lot? I think so. I th- From what they I've are... seen. Okay, so that might be a little controversial. Um, I will say, even though if they're praising it now, I don't, if Toy Story 3 hasn't aged well, I think it has, but some people think it does, hasn't, I think Toy Story 4 will age even poorly, in my opinion. But, anyway. Next uh, episode. We will be talking about, uh, what did we say we're doing? The, (laughs) so, we've talked about doing a series called Movies We Haven't Seen. We both kind of grew up liking movies but in kind of more conservative households where we weren't allowed to watch certain movies or just never got around to watching them but mostly probably because we were not supposed to be watching them or allowed to watch them and they're movies that most film people would be like have seen or would say that you need to see but most people at this point have already seen a lot of the movies Yes, and a lot of things have been written about them probably, so we thought it'd be interesting if we watched them and gave our um, unfiltered just opinions on them and see how that kind of stacks up to everyone else. Yeah, so this is a series we'll probably come back to every once in a while, Yeah. but next episode we're going to be watching The Godfather. Obviously one of the biggest movies of all time. time. (laughs) So a good one to start with. A good one to start with. Start with that um that's gonna be interesting i'm excited to watch it i've wanted to watch it for so long um and this is a great opportunity to do that all right thank you all for listening tuning in be sure to join us next time uh make sure to give us a good rating on apple podcast or google can you rate things on google podcasts i I think you can if you can go ahead and give us a good rating give us a review um make sure to subscribe and follow wherever you're listening to podcasts um until next time i'm kayla and i'm noah and we're your secondhand film critics